Hello and welcome to 21st Century Vitalism, show where we're asking what does it mean to be fully alive in the 21st century. I'm your host, Brett Kane, and today we're going to be answering that question by exploring relationships. So in specific, uh, just to start off by saying that there's a lot of different kinds of relationships, and sometimes the ones that are most easily available are not the ones that fit us the most. And this is going to be a deep dive into the world of polyamory. Um, what this means exactly is that, um, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that it shows up, but essentially that you have more than one partner. Uh, over here in America, it's kind of a taboo situation. I mean, we're a very monogamous, partner-based uh society but in polyamory you're kind of free to set your own rules and be able to navigate and explore other humans and it's a totally ethical and responsible way of living and in order to help me really elaborate on this i'm inviting my friend jellybean onto the show who is a sex positive um, creator of plant sluts which is a social media group that specializes in well i mean you can kind of guess plants and you know i guess a slutitude which is not a negative connotation and that's something that we actually even get into um, and that's kind of like the aspect of you know sex positivity that i think is worth talking about if we're talking about um, being fully alive i mean that's embracing every aspect of what it means to be a human and this is a core part of the human experience and whether or not you know you're more conservative or more liberal with your sexuality it doesn't really matter where you're at it's all okay but in demystifying i think we can really see where our own boundaries are and kind of empowers us to make the choice like where are we on this you know unless you really investigate it it's really hard to say either which way so in order to expand on that conversation i just thought it would be cool to have somebody who is a part of the community that is really advocating for more open communication and um in this in this conversation we talk a lot about like just the different dynamics of polyamorous relationships some of the myths um and just kind of like how they show up and how you can like cultivate a healthy relationship with this idea in mind um you know it's all about risk mitigation and on top of polyamory, I mean, I think it just bears repeating if we're getting into the realm of talking about sexuality, we, we do spend quite a bit of time on consent as well. Uh, consent being the idea that it is beyond just sexuality, but whenever you're engaging with someone, make sure that they're about it in whatever shape or form that it's taking, whether it's sexual, whether it's just conversational, you know, something she points out in this is the idea of like emotional consent before you, you require someone to do emotional labor like see if they're actually available to do that kind of work um so we really get into the nitty-gritty of what it means to live a consent informed life and uh, we don't really cover it in this but you know for me as someone who's interested in like trauma work like yeah like equipping ourselves with the tools of consent and you know enthusiastic consent at that is just such an important element of having healthy relationships so we talk about sex positivity, polyamory, consent, and a few other things dipped in here and there. Uh, this is a fun conversation, and, uh, you know, this is releasing a little bit before Valentine's, so, you know, I kind of thought, you know, get a little spicy, let's talk about, you know, some burning things that a lot of people are, we're all kind of navigating solo, so, um, yeah, I just thought that this would be a really cool opportunity to open up this realm of relationships. And, you know, it's an aspect of the show I'm going to be doubling back down on. And, you know, I mean, in order to have a fully embodied life, we are interacting with people. So understanding all the nuanced ways that we can do that, it, it's only for the benefit. You know, this isn't trying to convince you to become polyamorous or anything. I still, I say it throughout this, you know, I'm I, I'm monogamous in my own relationships, but, you know, it's it's a valid thing. And, yeah, just shining some light, I think is going to be good for everybody. So before we get to the episode, I just wanted to also point out that if you feel like supporting the show, if you're enjoying all the content that's coming out or excited about the future of what is being offered, uh, head on over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, give us a positive review. Uh, you can do the same with over at YouTube or pretty much any of the other streaming platforms that allow review and rating you know they really 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 helps so I, I wouldn't be saying it every week if it wasn't an actual huge benefit to the show and helping me have a wider reach helping me allocate more time to really really pick up the quality um and i mean literally every week i'm implementing new things as it currently is so I, i'm doing my best to grow into the best possible show 
for these topics that I can possibly do. So thank you so much for those who have already supported, who've already done the said things, who've been showing up every week. I really do make the show for you and I appreciate everything that you've done so far. Um, so yeah, without further ado, please welcome Jellybean to 21st Century Vitalism. Live. Thank you so much for joining me on 21st Century Vitalism. How are you today? I'm pretty good. No complaints. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing well. Uh, it's been a lovely day with the, the sun shining. I got to go to Rise and get a really interesting, it was a um, uh, beet cardamom latte. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm here for that. Nice. Yeah, That's awesome. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to start this conversation off by... Uh, in the intro, uh, the listeners have kind of heard a little bit about your background, and I just wanted to kind of talk about your journey into the world of like sex positivity and kind of being an ambassador to help kind of empower people to really step into their sexuality in like a non-shameful way. Like, what did the evolution look like for you to go um, maybe before and like the conditions that kind of allowed you to just open up and um, yeah, like, um, what was your journey? So I mean. <laughs> I mean, so part of it, like, so everything is plant slut, you know, like that's the, that's like what we call ourselves. But, um, it started out with me in high school. I just like was a normal slut, I guess, you know, just, um, but I really embraced it as I got older. I found like the Burning Man community and there's a lot of like general sex positivity in that community. Um, that's like where I first got that kind of uh, experience from other people. Um, when I was a younger, it's just like, you know how society is, where every, like, a person, a female specifically, who wants, like, sexual contact is often considered a slut. And it's just like, I don't know, I kind of like that word now. I didn't at the time. And then one day I just was like, oh my god, plants and sex, those are my two favorite things. Holy shit. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool, like, the reclamation of the word slut, you know? Like, I think, I mean, there's even the book, like, The Ethical Slut as well, which kind of, like, reframes, yeah. you know? And I, I think that there's definitely something to it in terms of, like, we're human beings with very human impulses and desires, and our mm -hmm. current society just kind of, like, makes people feel ashamed, and they've, like, isolated people from one of the most For essential sure. human elements, you know? It's, like, one of the most basic things, you know? So... I definitely really appreciate your platform. I, I love the merging of um, like slutitude and like plants. I just, I yeah. think that that is such like a right, like the fertility of plants and that. And um, yeah, as you were really stepping into this, did you notice it, like, were there any like points of resistance that for other people who may be like, yo, I really identify through this and this is really speaking to me. Is there any like points of resistance that you had to go through and like push beyond that? maybe offered some like advice for other people um yeah honestly for a long time i didn't i mean i still don't really think that anybody gives a fuck about what i have to say just like in general i feel like um but that's part of the same thing for me too is that i don't care what people have to say and they don't care what i have to say and it got to a point i think it was like a job i worked um where i had a lot of coworkers who all came to me to ask like sex questions for some reason they just felt comfortable with me about it um and it, it took me a real like i thought that everybody talked about this after a certain point like i was just like oh everybody comes to me maybe they talk about this <laughs> with everybody but they don't they come to me <laughs> to ask about it because i'm like they're comfortable with me and i'm really open about that kind of thing i think that being open about stuff that's like taboo is honestly really important um especially like as we age like this Grand Rapids is like a pretty conservative area compared to where I'm from Chicago um mm. in Chicago they do they focus a lot more on like sex education in public schools because like abstinence only education like that stuff doesn't work it's it's like proven time and time again that it does not like horny children do not stop fucking each other just because you told them not to so it's like really important to teach people stuff like that that just like 
I don't know. It used to it, it used to not be like that. Now it's now we're trying to open it up to that kind of thing. Yeah. So how did this kind of evolve into like the burlesque show that you you do through Plant Sluts? Because I know that that's kind of like a big part. That's kind of how I actually heard about your platform was I had some friends who were really active in attending. And when did you yeah. decide that like this internal orientation could actually be an external expression? Um, well, honestly, my friends and I, my group of friends that I just like hang out with, with there's a lot of like flow artists and general performance artists like strippers and all sorts of crazy performance artist opportunities between us um so it kind of just like it felt really natural i've always been a performance artist since i was like 18 or so so it's just like it seemed like a natural next step as a method initially it started it was just like a body positivity like i was sharing my own photos and then other people were like, oh, can I send you mine? So I was like, okay, let's do that. Yeah, it could be anonymous or I'll give you credit, whatever you want. And then people were like, do you have meetups? Like, what do you do? And I was like, I don't know what I do. So eventually it got to a point where it just seemed like such an obvious next step for me and the group of people who do it a lot, you know. Yeah. It's kind of fascinating, the idea that, like, you were just showing up as yourself in, like, the most authentic way possible, and you kind of became, like, a rallying beacon for other people who were feeling that way. And I, I think, like, the permission to be, you know, like, okay with, you know, like, the body positivity, mm -hmm. like, you, you gave people permission simply by existing, and that's, like, a really beautiful thing, especially in such a yeah, conservative honestly, area. Yeah, honestly, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people, especially up here, have told me that, um... I moved to Grand Rapids in like 2012, I think, and that was when it it just like in Chicago, maybe I think it's a it's not specific to Chicago. It's just in urban uh, centers, people are a little bit less preoccupied with what other people are doing in the sense that like we all get on the bus and we all sit next to each other and I still have to do my homework. I still have to get home like I don't care what this person next to me is doing. So it's just here it seems just it's a different environment like i don't know the conservativeness really plays into how uncomfortable people are sharing regular daily things like i know i've met people up here who are afraid to go get tested for stds because they're honestly like afraid that they'll find out they have something and i'm like no don't be ashamed like it's a normal thing honestly it's not like ideal in the situation like nobody wants to have like a sexually transmitted infection but like it's a normal thing and we should all just talk about it like yeah who gives a fuck i don't yeah. know <laughs> yeah there's no like shame around getting like a cold or you know other things that are transmittable through people you know but it's just i mean this mm -hmm. entire society has so much shame wrapped up in it and i kind of think that that's a big part of like because they sell it to you so they make it taboo so that they can like use it in marketing and like if it were more yeah. normalized it wouldn't have nearly as much power it'd have power but like it wouldn't be yeah that's true you know they wouldn't have like channels that they like allowed sexuality you know yeah for sure sex sells and if you give it away then how would you sell it like, right <laughs> yeah 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 that's it's such a weird phenomena how alienated we are from one of the most like basic human urges it just blows my mind and yeah, it's right. interesting because like whenever you get into this subject with people you see people light up right like there's like because it's not spoken about like and everybody wants to talk about it <laughs> yeah know, for sure the same thing with like psychedelics is like you know the people who have done it are like i want to talk about this with everybody it's, it's like the same yeah. thing you know so it's on everybody's mind it's just a matter of like are you being real with yourself or <laughs> yeah you know so naturally as a result um you know as someone who i mean you just disclose like you really like like sexual contact and all that this naturally leads itself into like the the domain of relationships you know so and i do know that you are married um and mm -hmm. like openly polyamorous and you have out of all the people that i know of because i understand it as like a complete system and that it can actually work but i do know enough um just from being in the same circle that like i know that y'all handle it really well you know so thank you <laughs> i mean because like there's people who don't you know like i know enough people for sure who also like are just really kind of morally uh, irresponsible with it or ethically or just don't mm -hmm. have like understand the nuance to it so 
to start us off on that kind of conversation about polyamory, what are some of the common myths that you hear that you think are maybe the most dangerous or just kind of misguided? Um, probably the, the most common thing that if I ever bring up to like a coworker or somebody that I'm polyamorous, they'll be like, oh, they kind of immediately jump into the concept that it is all about sex. And like, I definitely have sex with all my partners, but like, it's not the main focus. Like it's like, it's three relationships, you know what I mean? That I'm maintaining. Like I have, yeah, I have three partners, but it's three separate relationships. They do not, there have been occasions where I've had fun with like multiple partners at once, but like, it's not the main focus of me being polyamorous is not to just like have crazy group sex all the time. Like, honestly, most of my partners at this time are not comfortable in those kinds of situations, like in group sex and like, they don't have to be, it's okay. That's probably the most common thing that people ask me right off the bat. Like, oh, you got, you have lots of threesomes and I'll be like, not, not really. Like yeah. probably more than you, but no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I almost feel like there's definitely a, a large swath of people out there who they they get like offended about polyamory. Like, there's something about it that they're just like, well, I just don't think it's right. I don't think it lasts. I don't think it. You know, where where do you think that kind of like initial pushback comes from? Why are people? Um, I kind of think a lot of it is just it's like our society is so based in monogamy, and like if. A lot of people, just the concept of like, if somebody gets married and then they get divorced, people think of that as like a failed relationship and they don't like take it for that, like not every relationship is meant to last forever. Like even when I was in high school, I had a partner who like, uh, like we're in high school, we're 17 and he thought we were going to be together forever. And even at that age, I was just like, that seems kind of unrealistic, <laughs> like I barely know myself. How am I supposed to know for sure that like we'll be together forever? So like, I don't know. That's just part. I think it's just monogamy is so ingrained in our society that people are like offended just by the concept. And plus there's a lot of misunderstandings too. Um, like often people get polygamy confused with polyamory. Hmm. And polygamy is like based, I'm pretty sure it's based more in like religion. Um, and there's gen it's generally one man with many wives kind of thing. And like, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about that to like comment on it. That's not yeah. what I do. I, you know what I mean? Just like, I like to maintain multiple relationships. And some people find that to be absurd in the sense that like, I'm not sure how much they actually maintain their single relationship yeah. <laughs> for some people. Yeah. Like, being polyamorous has opened me up to the concept of like the like relationship maintenance is a real thing just like active communication not just being like oh i thought we were good we've been together for like 15 years like what could possibly be wrong and it was like why would you not think that something could be wrong this is a person you spend every day with or a lot of time with how like if you're not communicating you don't know what's going on gotta talk yeah. it out mm. yeah <laughs> That's something that I, I know that, I mean, some of my older relationships were played with is like, we wouldn't talk about any of the issues because we would associate conflict with like a failed or failing relationship. But like understanding mm -hmm. that like every relationship has conflict and if there isn't, then like y'all are lying to each other. You know? Yeah, right. I think it's actually like through that conflict too. And you, you can agree or disagree that like, that's where you grow. That's how you are able to actually fall deeper and deeper into a state of trust with someone is like, for sure, you hit boundary and then you reconcile. And then there's just so much more trust. Cause it's like, okay, I see you. You want to maintain this. You're willing to set your ego aside and then meet me on the other side of that. You know? Yeah. That's actually really, a really good point. Just like the concept that people like, as you have arguments and as you experience conflict, like you get to know people better right. and you get to see, like if you communicate to someone, oh, this upset me, and then you find out later that they continue to do that, then you can probably figure out that that person, either they didn't understand what you were saying or they don't care as much as you thought they did. And then if you have a conflict and then the person does like attempt to make effort to fix the, the problem, then you're like, wow, this person really does care about me. Like, yeah. It kind of like shows it's like a real, a real time development of like building trust, you know, kind of thing yeah. like that. 
Yeah, I think a big part of it too is that like a lot of people just simply do not have the energy to like exert the emotional work that it takes to manage even one relationship. And it's primarily because they don't have yeah. the emotional energy to like handle themselves. <laughs> you know, I feel like For sure. From someone who like I, I identify as I guess monogamous, but I see all of the merit and I can see that like what it really takes to do the poly thing right is like you have to know yourself really well. You know, you yeah, have to that's very have true. done a lot of work you know um so yeah like what are some like communication like tips that you've kind of learned maybe even through hardship or just things that you've kind of like what are some systems that you can keep in place to kind of help keep this copacetic and help navigate just some of the potential issues that come up um probably the best communication like hint i could give is that um this is this is actually from uh, AA and NA is a hungry, angry, lonely, tired, halt, like H-A-L-T. If mm. you are feeling any of those things, you probably shouldn't have any like major discussions or make any huge decisions that are going to change your life or relationships. Um, that one is like I, I think about that constantly. I'll be like, well, I'm really hangry like right now. So that's why I'm so upset or I'm really tired. I'm pissed off about something. That's probably not the best time to discuss it. Uh, or if I'm lonely, you know what I mean? So all those, it's just like, that's one of the ones that I personally have like ingrained in myself. And I think that can apply to like any, it's not just polyamory, of course. That's like in every fucking relationship in yeah. my entire life, I have to maintain making sure that I don't like lash out at people. Um, but a really good, helpful thing for me over these years uh, my partner and I, we installed like a, you know how people have sexual safe words? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, could you explain we it to folks who don't? Yeah. A safe is? word during sex is you, if, if you say the word, then they should stop. And if they mm -hmm. don't stop, they don't respect your boundaries and you probably shouldn't have sex with them. That's my opinion. Um, that's, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's just like a basic concept for a lot of uh, BDSM related sex, but I could it could be used in any kind of sex. But we have an emotional safe word. So if we're in a conversation and you know how sometimes conversations are no longer productive, like just being upset with each other, we will say the safe word. Like for example, pineapples, which is not like a word that normally comes up in my conversations when I'm talking about my emotions. So be so like pineapples. I can't I, talk about this. I was straight thinking pineapple when you said safe word. So that's. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. That was just super weird. I no, was like, that's good. <laughs> yeah, whoa. Yeah, I. I mean, honestly, if you've been to my shows, I think I've used this example before, <laughs> like pineapples. But, um, it's it's just really helpful in the sense that like sometimes, even if I'm like texting a partner or I'm on the phone or we're in person, and then you just feel yourself like losing the ability to communicate uh efficiently and non-violently but that's a huge thing too is that when i feel myself getting angry and upset and i want to like be cruel to my partner which isn't really something i actually want but yeah. in the moment sometimes i'm like oh i'm so upset fuck you yeah i'll just yeah. like i have to step back from the conversation and move away and then you like calm down and then you get the bird's eye view and then you're like oh i was kind of just being a bitch like or they were being this way you know it doesn't have to be about me being wrong it was just right. the reason i was feeling this way is maybe not as severe as i thought in the moment so mm. that's what, it's really helpful there's definitely like would you say that there's a prerequisite of having like a high degree of self-awareness to kind of engage in relationship dynamics like this? Because I don't think a lot of people would even be able to recognize like the moment like, oh, this isn't productive. You know, it kind of takes some work to even get to that space, right? For sure. I definitely agree with that. And I mean, for myself, I, I don't think that when I initially started being polyamorous at the age of like 19 or so, I don't think that I had that self-awareness. And I like probably fucked up some relationships as a result of lacking it, but I've gained it over time, which I think that comes for everybody in any monogamous relationship too. You start to like recognize your patterns. Maybe you go to counseling and your counselor's like, well, calm down. Like, why do you feel that way? Let's talk it out. And then you realize that it's like, you're triggered by something else and it's making you freak out in this situation. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
So, I mean, I mean, you just mentioned like your 19-year-old self getting into polyamory. For the other 19-year-olds out there, whoever, whatever age, when someone like begins this journey, what are some like heads ups that, you know, you think would have maybe benefit, would have benefited you knowing like, what do you know now that would have helped you then? Um, I will say one thing, um, a, the really common polyamory model that a lot of people, when they're first introduced to it, they're introduced to the concept of like, usually it's like a couple who's like interested in opening up their relationship. So they're like looking for like a person that they're both attracted to. And like, that is such a small niche of reality to find. Like I have X, Y, Z, all these things that I'm potentially looking for in a partner. And then my other partner is looking for all his own ABC. Maybe he also is looking for X and Y, but not Z. It's just like a really small niche to try to spoon a single person into. So just like dating individually, I think is really important. Not that, not to say that like group dating situations aren't valid, but I think it's easier to start individually dating and then maybe work your way up to that because like being able to communicate with multiple people, even just communicate with one person, it's so hard, but communicating with multiple people, it takes even more work just like to, and then if everyone lacks that self-awareness too, of like, oh, I'm upset right now. I shouldn't yell at you, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, it almost <sighs> requires the same level of like, that sigh. I could like, was that like from experience? <laughs> like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a tell. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I feel like in something like that, I mean, not only do you need your own level of self-awareness, but like <clears throat> the other people that you're interacting with should probably also be doing some work in order to make that uh, a copacetic thing. Um, so how do you manage time? Like for me, whenever I'm in a relationship, it already takes so much of my time and is so tight. I think that's why I consider myself monogamous is like, I don't have the emotional bandwidth to like, it mm -hmm. already is so much work. Like, how do you, are there any systems in place like schedules or do you like have a main yeah. partner and then auxiliary partners or how do you handle the energetic boundaries and keep everybody happy? Um, so definitely scheduling is really important and i mean that's always a struggle just to like actively communicate hey i'm planning to do this this day so i won't be free and you got multiple partners so you got to check in with multiple people uh there's a lot of apps like i mean google calendar is really valuable for that because everyone can get added onto it and then everyone's aware of each other's schedule not everyone's into that and that's okay um let's see what else Hmm. Yeah, I guess e even outside of just like the, the hard scheduling of like this day is with this person, like how do you manage handling three different relationships, like emotionally speaking? Like how do you, what are some of like the boundaries that you may have had to put up in order to ensure that people aren't feeling like unseen or un, uh, mm -hmm. unappreciated, you know, like, I, I mean, that's like natural human inclination, you know? Um, so right now I live with one of my partners. I have previously lived with two of them and that that was really hard in the sense that like your home is like your safe space and when you have two of your relationships in it and they're not dating each other, they're only dating me. It's just like I was like a responsible for so much communication. It was a lot of work. Um, no longer do we live together and like things change i think that's totally reasonable i don't think that it's a failure in the sense like i'm still in that relationship um the partner that moved out but i, I don't think that that's a failure in any way we just over time we realized that this situation did not work um so i mean like currently i live with one partner and then i have one partner who he lives not too far from me and then the other one lives long distance um, so with that partner that lives long distance, I spend a lot of time like, uh, virtually, you know, like we send each other pictures and things like that. Um, I get a lot more individual in-person quality time with the partners that are local, of course, just, you know, that's natural. Um, but like me splitting my time has gotten a lot easier now that we'd all don't live together in the sense that like my time, I get home and that's my time that I'm spending just at home. There's no extra expectations to like entertain multiple partners. Um, it sounds like it would have been so taxing to try and like, 
especially if they're they're not together then like i know were you like finding like okay i'm gonna cuddle with you for a little bit and i'm gonna go cuddle with this person and now this person wants some more cuddle like how do you how did you yeah and that, that kind of thing um yeah that kind of thing when you think about it like on paper you're like oh well just half the time i'll spend with this person and half the time i'll spend with that person but there's so many things like everybody has a job and like we all have to do chores and sometimes I'm sitting on the couch, I'm not cuddling anybody and it doesn't really count as quality time for either partner, but sometimes somebody will get jealous. They're like, oh, you hung out with them. And I mean, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with being jealous and wanting your partner to spend more time with you and stuff. It's just like when you all live together, it's like, it's a lot of work. I don't think I even realized how stressful it was until like the one partner moved out and I was like oh my god like me having this space and even if I do need space from like my partner I live with like we have separate bedrooms too um mm. that helps a lot to yeah. to just like separate your immediate yeah. spaces so that I still have a safe space um and I mean I did then too just like it's it gets so crowded like in my head more yeah. so than anything else even like in the house it was a reasonable amount of people but it's just like, I would go upstairs and then maybe for an hour I was like hanging out with one partner and then the other partner's like, well, I thought we were going to hang out today. And I was like, well, there's still the rest of the day. And then there's like, people are upset thinking that they're not getting fulfilled and someone else is. Do you it's find, just, yeah, a lot of communication. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that in some of these situations that jealousy is kind of always an undercurrent or is there dynamics that it like... Like, where do you think, like, the jealousy plays in? Because I imagine that that does play in for a, a, every... It is a natural emotion. So how do you mm -hmm. handle that in a dynamic like this? Um. Well, I don't want to say that jealousy plays into literally everything. Maybe it does for some people. But, like, a lot of the times, uh, for me, there's the... I want to call it the opposite of jealousy is when you're, like, secondhand happy for somebody. So mm. there, I have a partner he's dating someone now and like she's so sweet to him she like spends a lot of i tell i can tell that they spend a lot of time texting and things like that like i'm very happy about this like the word is compersion is that's happiness that's on behalf of someone else so like it gives me warm fuzzies on behalf of my partner that his partner is paying good attention to him you know mm. so it's like people always talk about jealousy but they don't talk about how you can actually be happy like for other people in that kind of way and i mean like i think um it's easy to get jealous if you feel like you're missing out on something that the other person's getting um but really the solution there is to bring that up to your partner and be like i feel like i'm missing out on this could could you try to accommodate my needs and everyone has different needs and like have you heard of the love languages the five yeah. love languages. Yep. Yeah, those are extremely beneficial, I think, in any relationship, but especially in my polyamorous relationships, to know I have one partner that is really big on um, quality time, so that's how I try to spend my time with him. I have another one who's big on words of affirmation, so I like have to make sure that my words are kinder and nicer. Um, just like more compliment sandwiches you know what i mean like <laughs> if i'm bringing something up to that partner i have to be a little bit more patient with my words in the sense that um he's a little bit more sensitive to just not necessarily to criticism but like is just he needs more words of affirmation and there's nothing wrong with that you know um yeah. i'm really big on gifting myself as a method of giving affection and uh, acts of service is the other one too i definitely like to do that i don't know <laughs> i forgot where i was going with this sorry <laughs> no that, that sounded about right um yeah and i almost feel like like the idea that a lot of people i think jealousy kind of comes from a sense of like insecurity about the self and not understanding that like everybody yes. has different gifts and like the different chemistries between different people it like isn't taking Everyone's away yeah. from your dynamic. It's just a different dynamic, which mm -hmm. feeds different For parts sure. of the being, you know? And I mean, that's why, like, where I come from, it's like, I want to keep fostering a lot of different friendships, you know? I, I, I yeah. hate in a lot of modern dating things. It's like, oh, like, you're with me, but you just went and hung out with her. And it's just like, yeah, I'm going to hang out with as many different people from as many different backgrounds because, like, 
they provide something that you don't, you know, and it's. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a thing, too, is that some people, especially monogamous people, but it's like there's still like leftover monogamy for a lot of polyamorous people, like concepts. And that's one is that like people may get jealous if they see someone receiving something that they can't give. So, like, I mean, a really good example, I guess, would be, like, if um, I didn't want to do, I don't know, if I don't want to spend a certain kind of time, like, I don't like to go on walks, so my partner goes on walks with his other partner. Like, honestly, I think that's better, but, uh, like, when I was younger, I would kind of react with jealousy. I'm like, well, I want to go on walks, too, and, like, well, no, I actually don't. Like, <laughs> I already know that about myself, is yeah. I don't particularly enjoy walking around, like, the neighborhood at night just because of who I am. And if my partner does enjoy that and his other partner likes it, they should go on walks like that. That's honestly like efficient at that point, right, you know, yeah, instead of like out. getting hurt about it, I should be like, I'm so glad that you can get fulfilled this way that I can't do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, yeah, it all comes with that self-awareness, huh? Just kind of being able to acknowledge like the things that you can't give it's like just trusting yeah. like that's okay it doesn't mean you're any less of a person you know as, as we're having this conversation as i'm like imagining it like this really it, it seems like it more than just like a, a style of relationship like it, it is like a lifestyle and it's also like a practice and like it, it's a way to yeah. grow you know like it really yeah, puts I the think so. pedal to the metal of like I mean, yeah. If you're like spiritually inclined, you know, this is really going to be dredging up a lot of different things, you know, Definitely. that you might not have had the opportunity to face, you know. That so, is very true in the sense that like I don't know, there's stuff you don't even realize how it affects you. Like I I personally have the problem sometimes where I'm like hyper independent just because of like my childhood and like how I was raised and things. Um, and part of, like, that was part of the reason I like polyamory is that I didn't feel, um, like a lot of relationships, monogamous relationships, people, like, they rely extremely heavily on each other. And for the first many years of me being polyamorous, like, it was, I was like, no, I don't rely on any of these people. Like, we just are in relationships. And I'm like, now I realize that I was still relying on those people, even if it wasn't, like, for, like, rides or whatever physical thing. Like, they were doing a lot of emotional support for me. Yeah. And I was doing it for them, too. It's just, you don't, like, think of it like that. Yeah. I like that idea a lot. The, I mean, because that is something you see often is, like, codependency is a big thing. And the idea of, like, okay, so they can get some of their needs met elsewhere, so that takes, like, a little bit of energy off of me, which I could totally see mm -hmm. freeing up the energy for you to, like, show up to other people as well, you know, because it's just mm -hmm. not as intermingled. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. So, and I mean, honestly, I don't even think there's something, I think there's a threshold of like codependency before it can be toxic too. Mm -hmm. So like, I think there's plenty of uh, polyamorous like people out there who have some form of a codependent relationship. And I mean, some of it might be because they have kids with somebody. And I mean, like you have to like co-parent, you have to be codependent in certain ways to make certain situations work. Like some people are disabled and they have different entire realities than I could ever imagine. Like, um, it took me a long time to be okay with the concept of like codependency, but now I'm seeing it as it has its own value, just like everything else does. It's just like, there's a threshold, you know, too much of anything can be a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those. Because, I don't know, I just, like, monogamous, uh, I feel like a, a lot of times you hear people talk about uh, polyamory, they're kind of like, oh, it's better than monogamy, and, like, I don't necessarily think that at all, I just know that I'm not monogamous, yeah. but I recognize that many people are, and I can't, I just don't feel I can tell them that they're doing it wrong, because they're more codependent than I am, and if it's not toxic, it's not, like, it's not up to me to decide, you know. Right. Yeah, I think that that's important, too, is it, it is a spectrum, right? Like the codependency, like we are human, yeah. like we are social creatures, we lean into each other. And I think that that's like, that's a positive mm -hmm. thing. And I'm glad that you even brought up the fact that like, you don't like, 
judge monogamous folks because i know that that is kind of like a reoccurring meme that i've witnessed is some people kind of yeah, use it as like a high horse where they're like i'm poly therefore i'm like less you know jealous and i don't experience like you know it, it's just like this weird kind of gross i want to say i started like that you know yeah. i thought it was like the answer to all my problems and now it's like now i have a much more realistic understanding of like what polyamory is yeah and how different it can be for everybody. Same for monogamy, how different any relationship can be. Right, right. And there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. So what are some what are some good resources for the folks out there who are like, you know, this is really speaking to me. Like, I want to try this, but I really don't want to, like, create a bunch of trauma and have drama. Like, what are mm -hmm. some, like, prerequisite, like, reads or podcasts or speakers, thinkers? Like, who would you suggest for people who want to go down this path? Um, so honestly, I think it's one thing I think is really important is to not get all your information from one place. I feel that when I started, I like the ethical slut is a book you mentioned, right? Like, that was my like Bible. Initially, I felt that all of the answers must be in this one book. And now, like no single person has all the answers, you know what I mean? So like, getting a variety of resources is really ideal and there are a lot of different books like ethical slut is one i think there's more versions of it too they update it on occasion as they think of more things um there's one called more than two that's a really good book as well um i find a lot of really good information honestly from uh like facebook groups that are based in polyamory there's a lot of discussions that happen actively and it makes you just like consider more perspectives. Um, there's a lot of websites too that are really good. There's one called uh, unicornsrus.com. <laughs> that one's really good, especially for like people just starting out and they have their own existing relationship and they're looking to like add someone to it. That's like a really good resource for those people to understand like the concept that like finding your perfect puzzle piece to fit in between you is like such a like such a crazy concept it's pretty rare but yeah. that's the most common trope of polyamory that people go for um i've i've learned so much just like in on social media there's a lot of uh there's a lot of really good people out there one i've been a really huge fan of lately um i think her name is love lavolica i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that honestly i've only read her name on facebook mm. Um, I can send you a link to her stuff, but she offers a lot of perspectives that are like, she's like, this is how I do it, but here's the other options. And if you looked at like a map of all the types of polyamory, like there's so many, I, <laughs> there's like relationship anarchy, there's solo polyamory, there's triads, there's group relationships, there's, um, like people are in hinges. So it's like they both date the same person. That's called a hinge or a V. Hmm. You know, there's like a thousand valid ways to do the yeah. thing. Yeah. And I think it's really important to like, re like to find out what actually, which specific thing fits you and not like to label yourself. It's just like really useful and beneficial. Once you figure out what you're actually looking for in polyamory, you can research that specific term. So like maybe somebody wants to be solo poly, which means that they're poly, but maybe they're um, more independent on their, like they, they live their lives. Like maybe they live by themselves, but they have multiple partners like around. Whereas some people, like I live with one of my partners, um, that wouldn't necessarily be solo polyamory. That would be, <clears throat> I currently, I there's also non-hierarchical poly, non-hierarchical polyamory and hierarchical polyamory and i don't think that either one is inherently um lacking in ethics is that Just, kind of a matter of like you like, have a main partner and then like secondary partners or yeah that would be hierarchical polyamory okay. um okay. and honestly i find that that uh is what works best for me just because i like i try i, I try not to like abuse the hierarchy but my long-term partner is the one that I have most of my eggs in the basket with, you know, like we're married at this point. Like I give him my insurance and other benefits of marriage, you know, <laughs> like we do yeah. our taxes together kind of shit. So not even that he as an individual is like up on a 
um, a pedestal. It's more so that our relationship, I have invested a lot more time into it than I have my other ones. Like one of them, I've only been dating for like six or seven months. Like my partners are also really understanding if I'm like, oh, this person really needs me right now. Like generally speaking, they're not selfish enough to be like, no, fuck them. Yeah. Like, no, you should go to them. Like there's a lot of empathy that I think comes with it too. Even if you don't like the other person's partner, it can be like, well, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that that just kind of comes down to your, probably your taste in humans, you know, and that, you know, you probably yeah, yeah. are seeking. I mean, if your level of communication and empathy is up there, then naturally you're going to attract those folks as well. What was yeah, the one so. that you <laughs> said about, uh, I forgot the first part, but like anarchy, romantic anarchy. Uh, relationship anarchy. It's <laughs> a great term. <laughs> that oh one. God. Yeah, right. <laughs> that one, um, a lot of people do that. And it's like in the sense that they sometimes people don't even form full on relationships um, with individuals. Uh, sometimes they do, but they just like only maintain relationships in a passing. So like when they see each other kind of thing, instead of mm -hmm. like my relationships, we schedule things. So like every Tuesday is date day with my like uh, my nesting partner. And every Wednesday I spend with a different partner and that, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of stuff is just. <laughs> so that's kind of like a matter of like, <laughs> okay, I got partners all across the United States. When I'm in this state, I'm with them and, or like I'm at this party and that partner happens to be here. So now I'm tending to just essentially what, whatever's in front of you. Mm hmm. That's oh, like, yeah. that's the vibe I get. But I do know that everyone conducts everything the way they individually want so yeah. there's no like preset rules i don't think mm -hmm. for any type of polyamory it's just a general concept that's yeah. different for everybody yeah like the the systems level thinking that i always have is like trying to like categorize and box things but what i actually really like about this conversation is it's highlighting the the amorphous nature of it because like we, we keep yeah. saying polyamory but we're just talking about human relationships and it's like a lot of yeah. these principles are it's universal and it's like it's a choose your own adventure you know and uh from where i've been at and the, the studies i've seen and stuff is like you really get the opportunity to make the boundaries that you, are comfortable to you you know it's like whether or not it has a phrase or a term like first figure out what you want to do what do you need from your relationships and then stand strong in your boundaries and the right people will respect that and then build with you. Yeah, right, right? I agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the one other reference that I had was um, Christopher Ryan's Sex at Dawn. That was uh, the only book I read on it, but uh, have you read that? I haven't read it, but I have read like excerpts and stuff okay. as they've been relevant. Yeah, yeah, I mean, his approach is definitely like evolutionary biology and his whole like thesis is essentially that like we've evolved to be polyamorous creatures, you know? Mm -hmm. we, we get a lot of our information on like mating um, habits from, uh, I think it's like chimpanzees that are like our closest yeah. in DNA. But we're also really close to bonobos, which, I mean, they're all just having sex with every, like they're just, they're yeah. very, very <laughs> open. And we share as much of a genetic so it's really interesting in terms of like he maps it out and like when the, the schism happened for us to go down the monogamous path. And, mm -hmm. um, that definitely yeah. satiates my scientific, like, I want to understand it. <laughs> um, so Heck yeah. for the folks out there, that's a really great book. Um, so what this all requires and what I think is something that this was kind of the biggest topic that I really wanted to cover, the most important at least, um, is consent. It's like yeah. the agreement of poly, you know, like you have to agree to it. So what exactly is consent? Um, what is it? That's a really interesting question. I would say consent is, well, I guess consent is just making sure that everyone's okay. That it, like checking in about all sorts of individual things. And a lot of times people relate consent specifically to sex. And I don't. Like, I think it's very important for sex, but like consent applies to so much more. Like, do you consent to even just being touched like a coworker giving you a hug, your boss, like commenting on anything, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Consent is really important on, on so many levels. Um, I have a friend uh, from Grand Rapids, Mike Hayataka, who often talks about how consent is really important for conversations, too. So like right now we consented to have this conversation. This is kind of like a more intense conversation than just like I might, I, I probably wouldn't 
have this conversation without having discussed it before with like a person on the bus, you know, just like yeah. a stranger, I'd be yeah. like, no, that's not your business. Like, get out of my face. But like, I don't know, you, you ever been at like a party and somebody's like really drunk and then they really want to tell you all the terrible things that have ever happened to them? No, and then you're just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like that person should they, they probably need help and there's nothing wrong with that. Like they need to express themselves. They just should ask before they do it, because like dumping all that on people, that's emotional labor. Like to ex just expect emotional labor from people isn't really cool. Consent, I we often in our shows, we do a little skit. which I haven't done any shows in like a year, obviously, because of coronavirus, but. We do a little skit where somebody is offering someone like we did the hot chocolate one time or a cup of tea or whatever. And you're like, do you want to drink it? And you're like, mm. you don't like force someone to drink that yeah. if they're not interested. You understand. And it's just such an easy concept. But for some reason, it doesn't apply to so much other stuff. I've been to so many shows where like a random dude brushed past me and like took a huge fistful of my butt, you know, and I'm like, what? Ah, that's not cool. Yeah. And that dude knows that's not cool too. He just thinks that, oh, this is the way I can get away with it. I'm like, honestly, if he asked, I probably would have been like, yeah, grab that. My butt's great, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like the moment you don't ask, then it's like, yo. Yeah, you just removed that right, like that concept from me. How am I supposed to? Like, how am I supposed to tell you if it's okay or not? Right. Even just, like, borrowing my stuff. I've had so many roommates who, like, oh, they borrowed my shoes, and now I'm looking for my shoes. Like, where are they? Oh, they're on your feet. I wish I had known. I wouldn't have spent this time looking. I probably would have said, yes, you can borrow that if you just asked first. Yeah. I think it's it's super important <laughs> in this day and age more I mean it's always been important but like right now you know where there's a lot of studies coming out around like trauma and like understanding how deeply traumatized our society is so like even yeah. out of respect for like everybody's sensitivity bar is going to be different you know and yep. in, in just it, I honestly like in some of the dynamics I've been in like I think it's kind of sexy like consent is honestly it's like an empowerment it like shows respect and it, yeah, it it, for me, is it's kind of like an essential thing now. Um, so, like, what are yeah. some situations? Honestly, yeah. sorry, <laughs> it's a huge thing, too. I've had so many dudes, like, we were raised in a society where they think that they're supposed to just, like, grab a woman, you know? They're, they think they're just supposed to go for it and be aggressive, like, oh, she's not interested. Just keep trying, man. You know, there's so much, like, media like that that shows that that's, like, the, the the golden ideal, like, if you just keep trying, she'll eventually give in. Like, what a fucked up concept, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, if somebody... Yeah. yeah, and it's, like, a huge part of our society where people just think that you just keep trying. I don't know. I just... If somebody would ask me, I feel, personally, I know my feelings. I'm, that, I'm probably the biggest expert on my feelings of anyone. Yeah. So, like, I don't understand. If a dude comes to me and he's like, oh, do you want to go on a date? And I'm like, nah, like, I, I'm pretty sure of what I feel. So like, <laughs> if I change my mind, I'll tell you, but you don't have to keep asking. You don't have to keep bothering me. Like, don't touch me without asking. It's just so easy of a concept that like, just goes right through people's brains for some reason. I don't yeah. know why they never. So what are some like common experiences that you'd note within our culture that consent needs to be introduced like the one that i was thinking was like the end of the date like even if it was going well like you walk her up to the door and then you just go in for a smooch without is that something that consent is there any gray area to where it's like okay you can kind of tell or is it like always ask um i do think like with my partners after well with if you have a relationship with somebody mm -hmm. and that could be like a friendship or whatever like, I have some friends, they know for sure it is acceptable for them to grab my ass. Like, they know. Because I was like, it's cool. I feel that. And then even those people, I have a friend, Liz. She's like our head art hoe for plant slut stuff. She knows that she's allowed to touch my butt if she feels like it. If I'm, like, bending over, you know, the, like, friendly, like, booty slap. Like, she knows that that's okay. But if we haven't seen each other for, like, a year, she'll still ask and check in, you know. And I really appreciate that, but if she didn't, I would be like, oh, that's Liz. Mm. And 
And if she did and I didn't like it, I would just communicate that. And then personally, I know that a lot of my friends, I can trust them to like listen to what I have to say and then move forward with that new information. Like, I don't know. A lot of my friends do check in, but if they didn't, I would feel mostly comfortable. And the people I wouldn't, I would just be like, hey, I didn't appreciate that right after. And most of, depending on the crowd you're in, obviously, I have some friends who aren't so good at it too, but a lot of them are still working on it. I think that it's a process. Um, there's definitely like a learning curve too. So like sometimes if somebody accidentally Maybe they like unload a bunch of stuff on me emotionally and I'll be like, hey, I don't have those spoons right now, but I'll like come back to this. I can't do this right now. And then a lot of times they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. You're right. I should have asked first. And it's like, hey, it's cool. You're learning. We're all yeah. learning. We're all in the process, you know. Is there any state or condition where even like expressed like yes is invalid because i know like i know like alcohol things get a little dodgy but i'm not really sure i'm like what does that line look like um so we always at like certain uh at my events and stuff i try to call it enthusiastic consent is your ideal standard if somebody says yes and they're like you can tell through somebody's body language and they're like well okay like that person you maybe like just because they said okay it doesn't necessarily mean that they're okay with it not everyone is as good at communicating their feelings as each other i think it's really important for us as individuals to try to like read that if our friends are uncomfortable like maybe i should notice that you know my friend said yes because everyone else in the room said yes and they don't want to like be the one person left out but like it's okay there's nothing wrong with them not doing whatever thing everyone else is doing you know what I mean mm -hmm. and I mean that applies I remember being a lot younger like smoking weed you know you hand a joint to somebody and then like you could tell some people are like uncomfortable and like, ah well everyone else is doing it I should too it's like a weird peer pressure thing I think it's really important to look out for that in your friends and be like hey man just checking in if you're actually not comfortable like that is totally cool there's no requirement for you to do whatever and I find that would happen at like plant slut, like group photo shoots a lot is that like a lot of us that are in the group are like really comfortable with our bodies. So like sometimes we'll just be like, oh, we're all naked. It's cool. And then there's like the the few people who aren't and they feel awkward because they're not participating. It's like, honestly, participation is is a spectrum just like everything else. So like mm. you're here, you're now with me. That's great. You don't have to be naked if you're not comfortable with it or you don't have to smoke this weed if you're not comfortable with it. You don't have to share that information with me if you're not comfortable with it. Like, all that. Wow. So, are there other, like, um, bars of measurement, I guess? Like, there's, like, the enthusiastic yes. But is there, like, what are the d degrees all the way to hard no? Are there other ones? Or... Mm. Mostly that's where I stick is, like, enthusiastic consent. Like, if it's not fuck yes then it's, it's no. probably not for me. Yeah. yeah. That's nice. for me personally, just because some people, like, they really do. They, they'll be like, ah, I guess. And I was like, hey, man, it's okay. You don't have to do that. Like, we'll do it when you're ready. And if you're never ready, like, I'll do it with someone who is, you know? Yeah. But I would say that's some of the levels, though. Um, hmm. I guess just for like people to look more. out for so they can like maybe like navigate it to where it's like, okay, this actually isn't a fuck yes, but like they're saying yes. And, like, how do you respond? <laughs> you know, I guess um, just... I actually, I kind of feel like there's soft yeses too and stuff like that. So someone will be like, this is okay today because of this situation, but I would not necessarily be okay with this on another day. Or I'm okay with this with this person, but not okay with this with, with this other person here as well. I don't yeah yeah and that's like another thing that i've heard about it too is that like just because you do have consent one day doesn't mean that it's implied that it's always open you know mm -hmm. that's something yeah. i think you you catch a lot in like relationships you know like that's kind of like mm -hmm. the meme that like dudes are always like come on let's just have sex come on like like nine no's and one yes is probably should be taken as a no right yeah that's definitely to me that's a no that's like Essentially, that's coercion at a, after yeah. a certain point where you just, like, bother someone until they give up. And that yeah. could be about a lot of things. Like, it doesn't 
that's not specific to sex. Right. Like you could be like, fine, I'll go on this walk with you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also think it's like the person who like wants whatever the energetic exchange is like, I don't know, like it's not, not even like fun. There's nothing about that that like makes me want to do it if it's not like energized and yes, you know, and it, I mean, I guess I can't expect other people to have that same degree of standard, but you know, it's just well, kind of yeah, like, that's how I feel though, too. If someone's not excited to do something with me, then I'm like, it's okay. I'll wait till you're excited. Or if you're like comfortable with it, I'll, you know, help you get excited about it now. Like what, what, you know, yeah. sometimes a lot of it is just like the nuances and consent. It, there's so much to talk about. So like maybe somebody said they'd have sex with you, but they did not consent to do certain other sexual acts. And like, there's so many tears to that. Just because somebody said yes to the first part doesn't mean they're also down for everything else. Mm -hmm. And that, um, it's like hard to give blanket consent in that kind of manner, you know, just because there's so many different, like there's so much nuance to all of these situations, especially if you're like involving multiple people, you know, or multiple relationships. It's just like, you got to talk so much more yeah. and like, in our society, the standard is like not to talk about it. People want, yeah. they're like, oh, I just want it to like happen and like the puzzle pieces to fit. And like, how do you know if the puzzle pieces fit until you talk about it? Like, yeah, you can't force the puzzle piece. That's not okay. You gotta break yeah. the puzzle. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Get your money back on that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. one of the like the other important things because our, our society is so intoxicated what are there some rules about intoxication and like mutual agreement because my understanding is that it, it does get really gray um well i would say that like i have definitely some partners that like we will get intoxicated together and then like we have already discussed that it's like that was like the goal maybe of us getting fucked up together was to like have some sort of like enthusiastic sexual exchange and like um a lot of times people are like well if they're drunk the answer is always no and it's like well honestly if i want something i know what i want well enough myself not everyone is the same but i just feel like it's important to if you know a person and they wouldn't have been comfortable with something until they got intoxicated and now they're intoxicated and they're down, like maybe you should check in. Like yeah. <laughs> that's a thing for sure. I've had friends and they were like, told me that they were kind of conservative sexually and then they got drunk and then they were like trying to jump into all sorts of sexual experiences. So I was like, Hey, like, I know you're saying yes, but like you did just vomit. So <laughs> like, Maybe let's do this tomorrow when you're sober, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Like so not taking cowboy. advantage of somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's like sometimes people don't even think of it. Like they're like, oh, I had a great time. It's like not everyone wakes up feeling that way, though. So mm -hmm. you got to make sure got to check in. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, yeah, I think that that, that kind of covers it. I, I, I just thought that, you know, like consent is such an under talked about thing these days, which is mm -hmm. mind blowing. There's definitely like a yeah. movement and it's starting to surge a little bit, especially uh, post like Me Too movement. I know a lot of people are really checking their P's and Q's. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else on that that you think is maybe important for folks who, I mean, other resources even that because it is so nuanced. We could probably spend two hours talking about it and all the different yeah. situations. Like what would you suggest for folks who... Um, actually, one that. of my favorite uh, resources for consent like related um, information, uh, there's a website called 11th Principle Consent dot org, mm. which is actually like a reference to the 10 principles of Burning Man, mm. um, which those are all different aspects of society. But the 11th principle, it's not technically like an official principle of Burning Man, but like consent is really huge and ingrained in that society and that website has a lot of really good information just about how to navigate it as an individual they also have little pins or not pins like cards that you can print out that say um like positive consent reactions like it says fuck yes like you've the way you communicated or asked me that question I was impressed with. It's just like a little oh. business card you can hand to somebody. Oh, that's cool. But the, alternatively, there's the business cards that say, you creep me out. Maybe you should go to this website 
and see like what of your behavior was uncomfortable and that kind of it's nice because it kind of like relieves you of the emotional labor like uh, me if i hand that card to somebody then at least they have like information where they can go on this website and be like oh yeah it was probably really creepy of me to ask this girl all these personal questions when i just met her on the bus you know like that one's that website is really great nice cool uh, 11th principle.com yeah cool yeah wonderful awesome well thank you so much jellybean for coming on and uh being so candid about just uh, i mean it is kind of an intimate thing this is honestly the first time we've yeah. really like made contact so um mm -hmm. yeah thank you so much um I, I think a lot of people are gonna be able to you know kind of have a different like framework or perspective on this huge help Heck yeah. I can't wait so. to hear the podcast too. <laughs> awesome. I'm excited to hear your other stuff too. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. We'll catch you soon. Yeah. Thank you. All right, friends, that was the episode. Thank you so much for listening and uh, sharing this time with me and Jellybean. It really means a lot to me that you made it all the way till the end. Just as a quick recap, we were talking a lot about the different forms of polyamory. We covered what it means to be sex positive and consent. Uh, consent being the one that I really wanted to drive home as much as I could. So this is going to be an ongoing conversation because, like I said, it's a very large one. And, you know, I think chunking it out you know consider this like an introduction and then the next time we cover it we're gonna get even deeper so yeah if you feel like supporting the show remember head on over to apple Podcasts, subscribe give us the five star rating it helps me get higher tier guest if you will it helps me have a wider reach uh it just helps me commit more time to the show and uh actually have it justified and you know reciprocated energy so yeah thank you so much uh we have another episode coming up wednesday at 11 a.m eastern standard time as always uh and yeah these uh next time episodes are gonna blow your socks off so keep in touch all right bye